0: going through the life of David. This is our seventh, uh, I think, seventh Sunday in the life of David, and so I didn't have any control over that either. So um, we're going to preach on adultery and killing people this morning. So I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, David has a conflicted life like most all of us if we live long enough. And the grace of God shows up in our conflictedness. And in our sin. And man, I am so thankful for that. And we're going to read today about about David making a giant mistake. And um, and what God offered him in that mistake. But make no mistake. My goal is that we don't follow the footsteps of David in this except to get forgiveness. Um, The good thing about reading a book is you don't have to repeat the same mistake the guy in the book made. That's why you read books. So we're going to look at 2 Samuel here. 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 1. And we're going to read about, I believe, the biggest mistake David makes. And um, not just the mistake he makes, but what he does afterwards. And so why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word. And I'm going to fly right along with this. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, say amen if you're ready. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon. When David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, And the woman was very beautiful, and David sent and inquired about the woman. And and one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from uncleanness. And she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. You know, small talk after you've had an affair with the guy's wife. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited them, him, and he ate in his presence and drank, That he may, and he made him drunk. And in the evening, he went out to lie on his couch to the servants of the Lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter, he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting— And then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew that the valiant were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab. And some of the servants of David among the people fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting. And he instructed the messenger... When you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, then if the king's anger rises, and if he says to you, why did you go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerushab- Jer- Jerubesheth? Say that four times. Did not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died? Thebes? Why did you go so near to the wall? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent to tell him. The messenger said to David, the men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field. But we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead and your, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. You see how he slipped that in there real quick. David said to the messenger, Thus shall you say to Joab, Do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours now one and now another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David did that David had done, displeased the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. You've been so good to us. We pray, Lord, that, that you change us this morning, that we'd sense your presence in a way we haven't in a while. Change us today because we came together to be with you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right, this is a tragic, really tragic story. The Israelite army had been, David is in a sweet spot. The Israelite army is conquering and taking taking more territory. The way military ventures were conducted then were a little bit different than the way they're conducted now because what happened back then was now, the weather might not pose such a problem with military issues because we have so much technology and, and we have, uh, it's just advanced so much, but back in, in this time, weather played a great role in when you fought. You didn't fight in the winter, in the rainy seasons, because roads would have been difficult to travel by. There wouldn't be any crops in the field. There wasn't, there wasn't really any such thing as supply lines. So... So there wasn't, it wasn't like there was a great supply line set up. What they would do is they'd wait till spring, they would go out, and then there would be food in the fields. If you had planted a garden or a big crop and the military came through, they would have eaten it. So in 2 Samuel chapter 11, you see, you see, it's that time of year when kings go out to war, when, when they go out to fight. And I, if you read some commentaries, you'll read that. Well, David was already off his game and he was already lazy because he was a warrior and he didn't go out to fight. But then you read some, some other commentaries and they'll say, well, once, once a military became so successful or once a nation became so large, it wasn't always necessary for the king to go out. So I don't even want to debate that. Whether he left or whether he stayed, it was still the wrong thing. And by the way, it's just as easy to have an affair away from the house as it is when you're staying in the house. I think that's the wrong argument to make. David stays back. He happens to be walking around on the top of his house, looking around. And he happens to notice a beautiful woman taking a bath. Now, just to clear this up, this was not Bathsheba being provocative. This was not Bathsheba asking for an affair. This was not Bathsheba being, being um, um, undisciplined because her husband was off. To every other person in the area, she would not have been exposed, but because the king had, um, let's say, a higher vantage point than the regular person. What I found out is you need to be careful with power because you end up looking at things from a perspective that nobody else can see. Write that down. You'll get it later. When you get more power than the people around you, you end up seeing things from a vantage point nobody sees. And so now David is looking at and can see Bathsheba in a way that her neighbors can't see her. And instead of saying no, he watches. Instead of just turning around and going, man, I probably shouldn't have seen that. He stays a while and he watches. He watches to the point where he wants where he wants to know who she is. If she's available. Can she come to him? What's the possibilities? Can I tell you there's always an opportunity to say no? I think Nancy Reagan wasn't too far off. Anybody grew up in the 80s? You don't remember? There we go, there we go. They used to come into your middle school class and be like, just say no. We're like, we don't know what we're saying no to. (laughs) Well, if you're up on the roof watching a naked woman, just say, think about Nancy Reagan. Just say no. (laughs) Just mess the whole thing up. Uh, Don't know what I'm doing now. Um, God gives you multiple opportunities First Corinthians Paul writes that there's no temptation that is not uncommon to man. David wasn't experiencing some temptation that nobody else experienced. This is only a temptation a king can understand. No, that's not true. David was experiencing a temptation that most men are tempted by. A lot of not just men, people are tempted by. The fact of the matter is that none of your temptations are special. You're not tempted in any other way. Trust me when I tell you this. There has already been someone who lived that was tempted exactly the way you're being tempted right now. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. But this is the beautiful thing. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So here's the issue. Seeing Bathsheba wasn't the sin. It's not his fault his house is tall. It's not his fault he got to walk around on the roof of it. Now, listen, just going to tell you, if your roof is shaped like this and you're standing on the top of it looking at your neighbors, wrong. Your roof was not designed to walk on. That's freaky. That's not casual. If your roof is flat, now we're talking about a different story. David didn't sin by walking around on the top of the roof. He didn't sin when he saw her naked. He sinned when he didn't say no. There's at least 3 times he could have said no. There's a but the truth of the matter is there's a thousand. He sees her and doesn't say no. He lets his mind keep going and keep going and keep going. Man, I wonder, I wonder who she, instead of going, ooh, I shouldn't have saw that. Who is she? He sends his servants and his servants go check it out. Hey, I wonder how he explained that. This will get into the other part of what happens today. I wonder how he explained it to his servants. Hey, I saw this young girl taking a bath naked and I'd like to know who she is. I doubt he said that to his servants. He was already covering. He was already making an excuse of why somebody needed to go talk to her. So his servants come back and say, "Hey, you know what? That's Ahithophel's granddaughter." The important part of that is because that man is a counselor to David. Second time, just say no. Wait a second, somebody I work. That's somebody I work with granddaughter say, no, David, just walk away. Just walk away. He doesn't. Go bring her to me. You know, there's a moment right before every sin where you go, I'm not all the way yet. I'm not, I'm not. David still has a chance to say no. They bring her to him and he could have went, hey, look, shouldn't I, I shouldn't have done this. you shouldn't be here. I shouldn't have done this let's just let's just call it. go. Home. you got a good man for a husband. Go. Home. he doesn't. Just to point out, and I 'm not going to go really far with this, but just to point out, there is nothing indicating that Bathsheba is a willing participant in this endeavor. The Bible says that when her husband is murdered on the battlefield, that she laments and mourns her husband. This was not Bathsheba going, hey, Uriah's away. Maybe I can entice the king. This is a situation of an extremely powerful man taking advantage. Man, every man in the room, listen to me. Never use power to do this. This is not the way God gave us God gave us the ability to lead and be in power for the benefit of other people. Amen? All right. David sleeps with her. By the way, it was more likely that Bathsheba thought she was being brought in front because her husband had probably been killed in battle. When the king calls, you come. So she comes. David takes advantage of the situation, sleeps with her, and then sends her back home. She sends a message to him, however long it took. By the way, the Bible is very explicit that this was not Uriah's baby because he was on the battlefield. And she had been, just been cleansed from that period of time. Everybody shake your head yes, you know what I'm talking about. There's no chance this was Uriah's baby. David knows that. She sends word to David. David tells his servants, Hey, go send word to Joab, have him send Uriah back. You can get David's mental circums- mental situation right in this moment right here when he has small talk with Uriah. How's the battle going? How's Joab doing? Good. Just checking, man. want to make sure everything's good. I heard you're amazing. Yeah. And I want to give you a break. I was just thinking about you. I want to give you a break. Why don't you go home to your wife? Uriah leaves the king's presence and sleeps with the servants, basically on the front porch of David's house. And the irony here that the mercenary... He's not even Jewish; he's a Hittite. But his commitment to Israel is so much more than the king. He tells David. David gets word the next morning, "Hey, your man didn't go home; he slept out front." David brings him back in, said, "Hey, I thought I was giving you a break, man. Every guy wants to go home to his wife. Why didn't you go home?" He said, "How could I? The Ark of the the Ark and in the in the king like." How could I, Joab is out sleeping in tents, fighting. How could I ever, and could you, and David is so coarse at this point in time, It he doesn't do a correction, even at this statement. He turns around and says, hang out with me tonight. David's plan then, so, so just like there was three opportunities to say no, now there's three steps to the cover-up. And by the way, the cover-up generally is always Worse and more elaborate than the crime. Brings him back that evening and gets him drunk. It says, hey, go home. Even drunk, he's more loyal than David. Comes back and he, um, David's like, I don't know what to do with this guy. Sin's word. Man, and this is, This is heart crushing. Uriah carries his own death sins to the battle. David writes a letter to Joab, makes Uriah carry it, and says, hey, the fighting starts. Push him out to the front and then back away from him. Think about how crazy David is right now. Think about how far he's went. Now, I know what a cover-up looks like. Me and my brother used to do it. We, um, we got in a fight one time at the house, and um, uh, we got in a fight in the house, and one of us punched a hole in the wall. You know, things happen. My mom cleaned a lot and knew where everything in the house was just by a glance. You couldn't turn, like, she just knew. And so I was in the middle of the day, we were home by ourselves, we were fist fighting, and then a wall gets punched and a hole gets punched in it. And, um, and we're like, what are we going to do? We're going to move the picture over the hole in the wall. I mean, that is the definition of a cover-up. So we cover it up. You know when your parents get home from work, my mom got home from work, and we're just like, how's your day? Pfft. Amazing. And when she wasn't even in the living room yet, she went, how's that picture move moved? I was like, it's not moved. How could you even tell it was moved? Somebody moved the picture on the wall. Mom, there's plenty of pictures on the wall. I mean, let's be specific. Walked over, pulled the picture off. There's a hole in the wall. The thing about David is at any point in time in the cover-up, he could have said no. But he pushes it all the way until Uriah is killed. And then then the messenger is sent back from Joab from the battlefield. And and Joab says, hey, listen, when he flips his lid about how poor of a military operation we're running right now, make sure you remind him that Uriah died. So the messenger takes it one step far. He says, oh, no, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to tell him in the first sentence. Hey, this is what happened. We were winning, and they came out, and we pushed them back, and then we got too close, and they shot at us, and oh, by the way, Uri died. And David's response is unbelievable. When some, lose some. You win some, and you lose some. Some people die. Some people die. Go out and tell Joab, good job. Tell him to press on. And David wipes his hands. Bathsheba is told that her husband died. The Bible says she laments. I know this was written by a man for this reason. It's almost like a foregone conclusion. All, of, all it says is this. She laments and David just brings her into the house and makes her his wife. To me, that is abrupt and brutal. Come on, can I get an amen? But can I tell you something? When we cover up things to that extent, it always ends abrupt and brutal. There is no easing your way out of covering up. There is no easing your way out of out of I'm not going to admit I sinned and and by the way, I'm going to cover it up for a long time. There is no easy way of it's just brutal. And so you see David still acting in that mentality. Like, how can't you be compassionate a little bit? She's done crying. Bring her in. But a part of that story that I did not read to you is after that whole thing happened. There's a guy named Nathan who's a prophet. And God loved David. God loved David. Can I say this to you this morning? God loves you. And if you think getting caught is God punishing you, you don't understand God. I'm going to say that again. If you think getting caught is God punishing you, you don't understand God. God catches us because he loves us just like your kid getting to run off a cliff, you'd reach out and grab him as quick as you possibly could. And God's going, David, 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 you have, you're, you're so far. God got to grab you. And he, so he takes Nathan, the prophet, and he sends him into David's presence. You can read the story. Nathan goes in and he says, I got a story for you, King. There's a story, uh, basically the story. You want to hear a story? Story time with the King. Hey, there's a rich man who's who, you know, and, it, and, it, and, and there's a poor man and the rich man takes something from the poor man and, and he tells this kind of story that David can understand and David's furious. He should be punished. And with the tension building in the room to a level that you can't imagine, Nathan, the prophet, looks at the king and says, you did it. You're the man. It was God's grace to David. It was God's grace to David. David, to his credit, doesn't make up an excuse. He doesn't say, no, I'm not the man. I'm not the man. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what I... He went, forgive me, Lord. Second Samuel records it like this. David... Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Church, can you listen to me? Sam and um, Sam and uh, where is he? Roger. Out of all this whole story, the shocking part is God said, "I gave you everything you wanted, and if you wanted something else, ask me." Now, just for just for just to clarify, don't ask for somebody else's wife; he's not going to give you that. But he said, "If you wanted more, ask." You didn't. If you wanted more, ask. He said, "If this were too little, I would have added to you as much more." Why have you despised the Lord? And what do you? Do? to do what is evil in his sight you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and you killed him with the sword of the Ammonites now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house we're going to talk about this in the future he said your consequences for this are going to remain for the rest of your life there are consequences for this but David in verse 13 it shows his heart It's still after God. It's still after God. David in verse 13 says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Church, can I tell you something? At any point in time, you don't have to to wait until the cover up is exposed. At any point in time, you say, Lord, I sinned against you. The same answer comes to you as David, I put away your sin. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a deliberation. There wasn't a jury trial. There, David said, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said, he's put away your sin. Man, thank God for that. There's consequences for it, but he was forgiven. Now, hey, anybody, anybody remember the song we used to sing in church years ago, Created Me a Clean Heart? Anybody remember that? Create me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit. Remember that? Did you know David wrote that after Nathan pointed his finger at him? Psalm 51. After he had been confronted by the prophet, you get a window into David's heart. Listen, some of you in here love God with everything you have, but sin has, I don't know, you may not even be covering it up yet, but, but you've walked into something where you had the opportunity to say no and you didn't. There may be somebody in the room right now who's in the middle of covering it up. David, David sang this song. He wrote this song after he had been confronted by Nathan, and it shows his heart of where it was. Because the conflictedness we have is that David is a man after God's own heart, yet he had a a woman's husband killed so that he could be with her. We go, how did that happen? He He got, like we talked before, he got sloppy with the things of God. He got away from the things of God. He got negligent with the things of God, and he started saying yes to things he should have never said yes to. And now all of a sudden he's realized it, and he realized what the most valuable thing was, is in his life. He's, he's not saying, Lord, don't take this stuff from me. Don't take this stuff from me. He's saying, don't leave me. So we, we sing the verse, creating me a clean heart. This is, cast me not away from thy presence, O oh Lord. Come on, some of you know it. Take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Come on, Sam, I don't even know if I was in the right key. Play it. From thy presence, O oh Lord, take not, Take not thine holy spirit. From me, restore, and restore unto me The joy of thy salvation and renew and renew a right spirit within must stand to your feet. We're gonna to pray together, but I need to let you know. something. sing it, sing it one more time. Cast me not away from Thy presence, O oh, Lord, and take not Thy holy spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of Thy son. you close your your eyes and bow your head for a second. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand or anything, but come on in a group this size, somebody. Somebody needs to sing that song this morning. You said yes to all the wrong things. You're in over your head. And there might not be Nathan the prophet here, but there's a pastor in the church who love you. And God is saying, don't go any further. Don't go any further. And Just like David, I'm praying the cry of your heart is not don't let me get caught, Lord, but don't leave me. Don't leave me. And I gotta be honest with you today. That is not, the way David sung this song. No chance. No chance he sang, cast me not away. There's no chance. Because David was a wrecked man begging God not to leave him. There's no chance he sang it, the nice little melody. No, no chance he stood up in church on that cast me not I believe Dave sung it with a guttural sound the conflictedness between God how could you forgive me God you've got to forgive me come on we all know what that feels like how could you possibly forgive this but you've got to if you don't don't leave me So if that's you this morning, just, I'm going to let you sing it out like I think he sang it out. Don't, don't walk out of church another day with a cover up. Don't walk another, with a, another day with a saying yes to the wrong thing. Don't walk out another day. God is pulling you back from the cliff this morning going, you're too important for me to let you keep walking down this road. So we can sing it the way David sang it today. Cast me not away from In your presence, mind. O Lord, and take not thine Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within. It's not Come on, sing it out. Like you need saved this morning, like you need forgiveness. Cast me not away
1: from your prayers.
0: Come on all across the room to make that your prayer this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know. I don't know if you've sinned, if you've covered it up. I don't know. God didn't tell me that. But here's what he did tell me: He will restore you. He won't leave. And if you cry out the same way David did, he's here. He won't cast you away. He will restore you. He will renew you. And whatever you're getting ready to walk through, is nothing compared to the, to His presence being with you. I know there's fear. I know there's anxiety. I know there's all like, is this gonna ruin His presence? There is joy and peace in His presence. Cast me not away today, Lord. Cast me not away today, Lord. Forgive us this morning God. Renew our hearts. Make our make our spirits right today.